What's going on, everybody? My name is Matt, and this is Matt's Anvil, a podcast specialized where to give dungeon masters and players a place to find the tools they need to craft the weapons that they will use to create stories. Uh, today, I'm joined with a friend of mine named Josh, oh. and we're going to be talking about expectations. And I don't mean expectations like... I expect you to act a certain way when you're at the D&D table because that's boring and most of you I'm sure are respectable people. That's not that's not what the point of this is. The expectations I want are something more along the lines of there's a lot of expectations when a person says let's play D&D and today on Matt's Anvil we're going to be talking about a lot of them and how they affect both players and dungeon masters. It's not just a matter of be a kind person at the table, because that's freaking lame. And it's kind of on the nose. It's, it's yeah, right. It's something you should understand. That's more of a common sense thing. More of what I mean is, if if a dungeon master, or if, say, say your best friend walked up to you and is like, Josh, I want you to play Dungeons & Dragons with me. Which you quite literally do. I do all the time. Yeah, that's totally fair. That's why I'm a dungeon master. It's what I do. But, if I asked you that, what what is your first thought? Oh boy, I get to build a new character. <laughs> right. So, but that comes with a lot of expectations, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, what kind of character should I bring to this world? What kind of world is it? Um, what, like, is it high fantasy? Is it low fantasy? Is it gritty realism? Like, yeah. There, there are a lot of things to think about just from a simple, hey, let's play D&D. Absolutely. The story in D&D is everything. I mean, arguably, you can say the party is a major chunk of it, but without the story that they are playing through, they don't... They The, the characters just exist. Yeah. So, on on the player's side of things, when someone just says, hey, let's play D&D, they have a lot more questions than they do answers just from saying yes. Uh, and that's, that's a big thing to understand, is, like, the world you're playing in completely changes Usually, anything that you can play. Yeah based on your reactions to it. Exactly. Like, if, uh, for example, if I was going to say a sci-fi game, you wouldn't be playing a kobold. No. Which, you're famous for playing kobolds in nearly every situation. They're great. Pretty slow. Little boots. But if we were playing something like uh, the store we, we've been working for, or I've been working for, uh, has been playing I Alien Isolation. I... I've seen you talk to it looks amazing. Yeah, he's been doing a great job with it. I, I have no idea how to run anything. Uh, me neither. But on topic, you wouldn't bring a kobold to that sort of a game. No, because they don't exist. It, well, it's even if it was, say, in a D&D-esque standpoint, that's not the sort of thing that you would find a kobold in. No, they would not make it out. No. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, kobolds on their own wouldn't make it outside their cavern for more than ten minutes. Nope. But that's beside the point, because they're a playable race and you can play whatever you want. And he does, and you do all the time, all, ever. So there are a lot of a lot of different types of expectations when you come to play when it comes to playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and so, I guess the the best way to start this conversation is, Josh, what is your like if if someone just said the words "Hey, let's play D and D," what are, what do you expect to see in the game? probably depend on who's asking uh, uh, sure absolutely if the person who is asking is the person who's planning on running it i 
hope for a session zero, as we call it. Sure, absolutely. That's very important. Because that's that's where you can get a lot of the questions you might have about the hey, world. What? Where are we going? Yeah. Answered. Absolutely. Um, and I, I have played a couple of games where session zeros haven't been a thing, mm -hmm. and it has, in the end, made me, like, have to kind of ask to rebuild my character, which is never a good feeling. No. Because um, you go into stories with the expectation of your character fulfilling a role. Being viable. Absolutely. Yeah. Which is, which is, it, that's a leeway into another understanding. Uh, you had mentioned earlier, uh, your first thought when asked, hey, let's play D&D, &D, oh boy, I get to make a new character. Which is completely understandable. First of all, you have a massive collection of characters. Yeah, you've 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 delved into the player's handbook and extended modules a time or two, uh, just once or twice, you know, just a, just a, just a little average margin. But every single one of those characters has a purpose, and and not to say like oh it's because you made them to play with this, but they have a story behind them. So they have a they, some of them. Some sure. I but I, others were based on ideas, right? Yeah. So, so I have so I had some that I I essentially had a. An epiphany. Uh, yeah, essentially that. It was, I had a, a backstory in mind, and I built the character from the backstory. Sure. Um, there are some characters I've built that I was just like, I've heard these two classes mix well, and I just tried to build them together to see how that multi-class looked. Absolutely. To me. Um, and then sometimes I just build kobolds for fun. Yeah, it sounds like something you do. But... Every time, but everything you mentioned, though, the reason you made the characters is because they fit a niche of some kind. Yeah. Like, you wanted to experiment with two classes, or you had a backstory in mind, yeah. or you wanted to see how a kobold relates to this class. Which is, those are all specific reasons, but each of those reasons come with expectations. For, for example, if you make a backstory and then the character based on that, your expectation is to use that backstory... In the world you're going to play them in. And have it like play a role in, in and, the world. Yeah. Right. Or if you're building two classes that or are building a multi-class and playing it in a game, your expectation is to experiment with those two multi-classes. Yeah. See how See how they would affect one person in, in one world. Sure. No, and that no, but but that's totally like for example, I I made a character for a campaign we both play in, that the the basis for it was battlefield manipulation. Yeah, that was a great character. I made I made a character that was a bard, a wizard, and Sorcerer. and it's yes. Sorcerer, because you had to, you had the twin spell. Right, but I think but I was a triple multiclass. Yeah. Now I don't remember what I was. I'm a wizard, bard, sorcerer. Yeah. So the concept was that um, I'm not necessarily attacking things. I, I'm not attacking anything. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have attack spells, but the the essence of the concept was that using uh, the specific rulings with sorcerer's meta magic and specific spells that you get access to uh, with wizard, bard, and sorcerer. I could manipulate a battlefield in a way of teleporting my party, teleporting enemies, and shifting things into an advantage at every point in course. 
And so when I take a character concept like that and I go into a game, my expectation is to be able to make use of that stratagem. Yeah. I want to be able... Now, don't get me wrong. Not every combat has to be about doing that. But... And not all of them work. Yeah. And not all of them work. But the, the idea is to go in with the idea to test it. Yeah. Uh, and then the last one, sometimes you just make kobolds and you want to see if they work with a class. That's There's an expectation in that of... Can a kobold do what you want it to do? Yeah. Um, so it's it's worth noting that even in something what some people consider as basic as character creation, there are a lot of expectations that go into that based on the relationship of the character you're making and the world you want to play them in. Yeah. So expectations, as I've been saying all along, go a really long way when talking about what it is that makes up a game of D&D. &D. Um, and, I mean, there's even more that you can base it off just from the, the player side. Um, is the expectation there that it's going to be, uh, you, you mentioned it before, the, what type of fantasy is yeah. it? Or if it's going to be fantasy at all. Yeah. Um, what kind of uh, world are you going to be playing in? What's... Like, I, I really enjoyed Cyberpunk Red, and it's, it's still... It's still an RPG, but it is it's sci-fi. It's thing vastly sci-fi than it than it is more fantasy. There's there's also the expectation of like um, you you experience this firsthand role play versus combat. <laughs> so there is a big expectation, and this goes into that more that second slot of character, uh, the stratagem side. Yeah. If you're going into a game. And you don't really have a session zero. We'll, we'll say that. Because we'll talk more about session zeros in a little bit. Um, but let's say you go into a game. You didn't have a session zero before. You made a... Let's let's go with what Arkath was. Yeah. If you want to talk about Arkath a little bit. Yeah, he was... So he was a full sorcerer. He was only level six. But like, full source, level six sorcerer. Um, with a silver dragon pat patron, essentially. Or family member sure that he got his, his bloodline from and my original build of him was just i want to kind of because i i don't see a lot of characters use a lot of ice and lightning spells sure um, especially like I've, i don't think i've ever actually seen somebody play a tempest cleric and i kind of want to i think i've seen it once it's not very often exactly but it's like i i personally prefer like superheroes who use like electricity i don't right. it's it's i don't know what it is about me but I mean, it's I, it's an it's a very interesting power that can take place at a whole other conversation. Yeah. Before I, we go down that rabbit hole, I I just wanted to make a icy lightning little chaotic kobold who his whole thing was just he was geared for combat and just shooting lightning bolts and rays of frost and whatnot and didn't I, get to do that. <laughs> right, and that and that's a good leeway back into the point. So you made a character that their entire purpose, their stratagem was to go into combat and use uh, lightning and uh, cold damage spells to basically reflect who he was. But also because, like, ice spells get, like, the the slow effects, which is fun, and then some of the lightning spells are cool in that they either can, like, kind of stun enemies, but mm -hmm. also if you're going up against heavily armored foes, you're just like, cool, I'm, I'm more likely to hit. Absolutely. But how, so tell me how you felt playing Arkath entering a campaign that was primarily roleplay based. 
Um, I mean, at first it was... Uh, I still enjoyed aspects of the character. Sure. Because of little gimmicky things I did. Absolutely. But when it came down to it, none of the proficiencies I had picked ever got used. Right. Because they were um, things like investigating in case we went into a dungeon or found magic items or whatnot, or um, Arcana for essentially the same reason. Sure, absolutely. Um, Man, I say that a lot, don't I? You've also said expectations a lot this episode. Well, because it's, ex know, it's, it's the expectation. Like, what else am I supposed to say? <laughs> Frick you, okay? I say expectations a lot. I, I'm. It's because I'm trying to reiterate to the point. I've probably... I'll, I'll put a counter in, in the video version of this. To show how many times I've said expectations so far, and then it's it's gonna be bad. Um, but anyway, no. To but to but really no, to it continue. Was, it was weird. I had weird proficiencies just because like sorcerer sorcerer proficiencies are a little weird. Like Arcana makes sense. Um, I don't remember all of them. I think one of them is investigation or like history or something. Um, but. Because <laughs> you're multi-classed. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, I hadn't chosen like even even as a charisma-based class, because I hadn't chosen any of like perception or not perception, but like persuasion or deception. Sure. Um, even as the charisma class, I couldn't quite end up as I couldn't play the face of the party role. Mm-hmm. Because I, I couldn't persuade or deceive my way out of a wet paper bag. Yeah, and you kind of end up feeling, like, segregated, right? Because it's, it's like, yeah, you have your own little gimmicks and things, but you don't have anything to actually do. Yeah, it was... It was a character that I did not mean entirely to end up as, like... I don't want to say a one-trick pony or, like, a full joke character, but it, it did kind of feel like it dissolved into that um, there they are arcana deception insight intimidation persuasion religion yeah i think i had arcana and insight, insight or something probably and it, it got to the point i actually had to ask the dm later on hey could i could i retool my character a little bit because I'm not effective here. <laughs> uh, no, and that's so. So that's a big thing to understand, right? And and this goes more into the point of I, I know I've been called out for saying that, but your expectations going into the game were vastly different than your dungeon master's expectations of what the players would bring. Yeah. And so that that kind of leads into the other part of what we're talking about is so dungeon masters also have their own expectations when it comes to playing a game. Yeah. Which, of course, is no surprise. Yeah, and you would know, that, um, know more about that than I would. I, I mean, just a little bit. You know, I have a little experience being a dungeon master. Only a few years. I'm just, I'm just working on a planet. I don't actually know how to run it. Hey, there's going to be an entire episode of the podcast dedicated to talking about that. Guess who's invited? Uh-huh. Uh so, dungeon masters have a lot of ideas when it comes to their campaigns whether it's homebrew or you're playing a module from the sword uh from D, &D beyond wizards of the coast whatever uh or maybe something a little in between which i am rather accustomed to 
So, Dungeon Masters have their own expectations when going into a, a game. I, I, for, for example, I run a, a, a Tyranny of Dragons knockoff at this point. Um, you can't call it a knockoff when it's better than the original. I, I mean, it's still according, a knockoff. According to all of your players. That's not the point. I, I still think it could use a lot of work. Uh, because I don't do enough for it like I think I should. In your defense, we kind of need to do We're getting off topic. So, I run a modified version of Tyranny of Dragons where I... I love... So, my I would say my best skill as a Dungeon Master is improvisation. And, and magic item creation. That's, that's, an, that's enough. I just love making magic items. That's beside the point. There's some bad ones out there. You don't want to see them. <laughs> They're not good. Um, uh, wand of Detect Magic that only detects itself? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or the Wand of Summon a Wand. <laughs> yeah, or the Wand of Summon a Wand. It's great. Um, but I, I expect certain things, and Dungeon Masters in general expect certain things when players walk to the table. Uh, the, the biggest one is that I expect players to not necessarily be ready but to be familiar with the game I'm playing. If I if it's for new players, then my expectation is for them to be open to learning. Um, but in general, when you're playing D&D and you walk up to someone casually and say, hey, let's play D&D, the expectation is there that they know how to play or at least know how to play well enough that they can play in a game. Especially if they like say yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. If they're if they're a little finicky on it, or they're like, oh, I don't know, I've never really done it before, then, then that's then totally understandable. The, then you have the expectation of, hey, I'm gonna have to. Yeah, I'm gonna show you how to play, yeah. and that's and that's a one. First of all, that's a wonderful thing. I highly encourage everyone. Everyone should play Dungeons and Dragons at least once, both as player and as dungeon master. I was actually gonna say that too. Like, I know I haven't done it yet, but I I fully recommend that if you have. If you just have a group of like four or five people that want to play, each person should try to run part of the module. Absolutely. Because it, it gives you the look from behind the scenes and... It gives you an understanding and an appreciation of how much work goes into the game, but also how little work goes into the game. Yep. Which that... That's leads no joke <laughs> no and that's yeah that's uh when i said earlier that my one of my best skills is improvisation i i mean it in the most literal sense uh when when i create concepts or or sessions for my D, &D campaign i build it um a lot of people say they build it in scenes or they work in certain parts i don't do that it's not really it, it doesn't fit my my style instead i build it in an outline so I want the party to be here. They have the option to go here. They fight this thing here. How they get there, the NPCs they meet, the various other things that happen, that's entirely BS'd in the most part, is the, the only way that I can think to describe it. Um, but that's, that's me, and that's my expectation when it comes to making a game or making a session, is that I know what I need to do to give or to try to give my players the most effective use of my skills to give them the best time. Yeah. And that's very important. So if, if you think you're a great like author, uh, I wouldn't say bring a, a like super heavy story driven 
campaign, unless that's what your players want, and then, of course, absolutely. But giving your players options in a world that you made, no one's going to be more familiar with that world than you. And your expectation that they're going to explore your world, I mean, that's a given, because that's what players do. Yeah. The best part about D&D, and the reason why I recommend that everyone should be on both sides of the Dungeon Master screen, is because to explore and to make the exploration have the exact same emotions from a different outlook. It's exciting. That's, a, that's an interesting way to put it. Like, I, I haven't actually thought about it that way. Right. But, I mean, that's really what it is. When when you sit down to play D&D, like, we, we went and played uh, Lunar Ascendancy last night, a, a homebrew D&D game made by a friend of ours named Tobias. We, we had a, a mild expectation of what was going to happen. We'd played the, the start of that campaign before. Yes, in a... In a very rushed sense, but not the point. It was fun, though. But we were excited because we were going to explore with characters that we'd never been in the world with, yep. with party members that we'd never played with, with... With people we'd never played with. with like, even, yeah. Like, and that's, that's the cool thing is you can play with five people, and even the people that you know... And when they, when they bring a character, some people are just really good at getting into character. Character, like Kevin. Oh my gosh! I have seen. Yeah, that's. Oh. I saw that man play D and D for the first time, and he was already almost a master. He of was amazing. Character, and it was it was amazing to watch. This this guy has gone from bringing a nine year old thief into a D and D campaign. Athlete thief. thief. Yeah, so like three feet tall, uh, to bringing. A like always on shrewd yeah. <laughs> saxophones playing druid. Yeah, and it, druid. druid. And talk. uh so like that's and that's a phenomenal thing. Um but but that's the but that's the sort of thing like we get excited about those sorts of things. Who immediately tried to sacrifice himself scene one. I refuse. <laughs> Not the point. But on the other side of that, the dungeon master gets very excited because people are playing in his world. And, and when he can see that they are having a great time, it, or or just interacting with each other, it makes character. It's, it, it, it's got to be a great feeling. It makes everything worth it. Yeah, like my my party doesn't really know this, but I stress about my my sessions for every Friday all the time. I I stress about whether or not they have good quality. I stress about whether or not I'm keeping everyone entertained. Whether or not I'm including everyone. It's, it's a very stressful thing because I still want to tell a story, but I want to tell a story that affects everyone. Every player brought a character to this campaign expecting it to mean something. Yeah. And I think you have done a better job of making each character feel like they mean something than some of the DMs I've, I've played with who have been doing this for years. Well, I greatly appreciate that compliment. I really do. But... To me, I don't think I'm doing enough. And I, and I say that because it's not it's not necessarily because players come to me and say, Hey, I don't feel like my character has gotten enough attention. No one's done that. And I am partially glad about it and partially not glad. Because I feel like if anyone has that emotion, they should bring it up. Like, I expect, I expect my players, another one on the list... Not the words, just expectations to have in a game. Yeah. I expect my players to be open with me. Yeah. If they have an issue with something that I'm doing, please, I, I want them to talk to me about it. I, I want them to say, hey, you're... 
I think you're targeting me, or I think you're doing this, or uh, every, everything else. Um, but to me, when it when it comes to involving characters in a story, I don't just want them to exist in the world. I want direct ties to it. Yeah. Uh, for example, we have a, a character named Balmond. At the time, he was a, a bard rogue. Uh, and his story had been that he had become a bit of a wanderer. Um, there, there was a, a tragedy that happened in his youth. Uh, his sister had given him uh, a memento and then vanished. Uh, and then he joined a mercenary group uh, for a while and then went and did something else. He did his own thing. Yeah, he did his own thing. So I, so I, I made a mercenary group that had a major involvement in the story just because of that. I, and then we you, found that uh, Bree had also made a character. Yeah, Bree had made a character based on a mercenary group too, so I added them yeah. together. And just gave them ties to each other, which is another great thing to do, is have some of your characters know each other. Right. Because be then it, it gives them a reason to be traveling with the group. And that's that's actually been a big one in some of my campaigns lately. It, or some of my sessions lately, sorry. I only run one campaign right now. I don't run multiple. I don't want to die. Um, but character, character inclusion into the party has a lot of expectations with it. When players sit at a table, half the time they've never spoken to each other. So there's not really any connection about why that brings them together. Normally that's why a session one exists or, uh, sorry, a session zero exists yeah. or in a session one, there is something that brings the party together. Yeah. Like in Tobias's campaign, it was the, the test letters. mission. Yeah, the it, yeah, it was the letters from Ambassador Hope that brought us all to the Royal Library. And then she employed us to go take a test that ended up devolving into chaos because of Henry. <sighs> anyway, not the point. That was a chaotic little kid. Though. Yeah. So many kids in that campaign. There are... I don't want to talk about why people bring, like, 10-year-olds or 12-year-olds into a Lunar Ascendancy campaign when we know what happens in it. But that's to not... A, to an extent. That's... I know pretty much everything that happens in that person. I, I literally I've, purposely tried to data dump information about that campaign so that I could re-enjoy it when we get back. I'm just excited for all the little details. But again, we're getting off topic. Um, so... What was I talking about? Oh, party involvement. Yeah. So, when... If you don't have something like that in your party, right? Like, I didn't really have it in mine. Yeah, the, what, what's the point of your... Like, why is your group together? Right, and that's, that's a very important thing, okay? The, the expectation that there is a reason the party is working together is something that every, every person at the table thinks about. The DM thinks about it in terms of the story... And each individual player thinks about it in terms of their own stories. And it's a it's it's a very key detail that a lot of people miss because they're they're so enraptured, or at least a lot of DMs miss, because they're so ready to get into the meat of their story that they forget about the simpler things to get players excited just to be with other people. Yeah. So for example, when like for Balmond and Bree, Bree's character's name is I don't remember off the top of my head. So, when Balmond and Everwyn were first making their characters, they had, first of all, they had no idea about each other, which was really funny. They were both just originally part of a mercenary group. So, I, as the DM, was like, okay, you guys were actually in the same one. And I instantly made a bond 
between not just the two characters, but the two players. Because they both got excited that they had something to share with between themselves. Yeah. I was I was receiving messages that night until like 1 a.m. as as Bree and Matt were talking to each other and like, hey, can this work for this? And can this work for that? And yeah. can this work for that? And a part of me was like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Please do everything you want. The other part of me was like, I need to go to bed. I have work in the morning. <laughs> uh, which has happened a lot in in my campaign. People people in this group, guys. I have to sleep at some point. Please. <laughs> Please let me sleep. You guys message until like 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning sometimes. And I can't take this. I'm looking at you, Annie. Um, anyway. I'm but, just kidding. She's a lurker. She was a lurker. But the, the expectation that if you don't have a reason for the party to be together, that you, you as the Dungeon Master still need to give them a reason. Yeah. Even if it's a couple of people first and then the rest of them all together uh example because this is of course always going to be full of examples uh, in tyranny of dragons uh or uh as uh, in the first book it's actually the horde of the dragon queen yeah uh you start in the town of greenest and according to the book uh, you basically just arrive there all, all of you are all, all of the players arrive as travelers uh during a raid on on the town that's uh, like okay it's very broad it is very broad it doesn't give there's no meat to that there's there, there no. is cool i'm uh, me and a random group of people are walking into a town and we see it on fire yeah and that's i mean don't get me wrong that's an okay way to start a story because if your players are playing people that would help in that situation yeah they're all going to work together and help in the situation We've got like, and I know he wasn't there at the beginning, but Calcifer made the what? What was it? Lawful evil. We yeah, out, yeah. Just like, yeah, he would not. Have he would not have helped in that situation. He would have had no reason. He would have watched it burn. Yeah. Which, you know, if that's his character style, that's his character style. Yeah. He plays to it very well. Oh, absolutely. But it's a very like it's a very moot point that if if. If your party expects to be together when they sit at the table, you need to give them a reason to be together when you sit at the table. Yeah. Whether it's... Even if it's just one or two people that have links to one another that make them want to stand by each other, that's enough to cause a spark to catch the rest of the party. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for that sort of thing, like, work, work with backstories. Use everything to your advantage. And that's the thing encourage your players to have even I don't know a page a paragraph like just some bullet points of like hey these are things that have happened in my life oh absolutely or that's some and, aspect of a backstory and that leads to an expectation on the DM side yeah. if if I'm sitting at a table with experienced players people who have played I, I would say you would be considered an experienced D&D player if you have played in upwards of, like, five-plus campaigns. No, right, I know. <laughs> but but even, like, even if it's across five years, if yeah. you've been in about five campaigns, even if it's just 
one or two off one like one shots or something like that you have enough experience in D&D and the understanding of it hell even if you played the same class each time yeah like, at the very least you, you would know that class absolutely well enough you're like cool I can just run this class but as a dungeon master if I have a group of people that are that experienced in the game that I'm running I have the expectation that the players will put themselves in the world somewhere and give me something to use to drag them deeper into the story. Yeah. One of the, one of the things like you should never, I, I shouldn't word it that way, but like, I don't think it's a good idea to, when you join a campaign to just be like, Hey, here's my character sheet and just have like, yeah, you have your character built, but like, if you, if you have no connection to the world... Then you don't have any connection to your character. Yeah. It's... It's just a sheet of paper. I... I and I, I'm kind of referencing um, a talk I saw between Brennan and Matt, and it's like... I, I think it was the... After the... I can't remember what it's called. Matt, Mercer, Brennan... Lee and, Mulligan and the Abria Iongard. Yeah, it was uh, it was talking. their there it was yeah the it post, was post apocalypse yeah. session they were talking as DMs. They're like, cool. If you have no connection and no wants or anything, you win. Like that's Nirvana, or, like, <laughs> enlightenment or whatever. It's right. Like, why you can't bring that character to the world because it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, uh, no. What are you doing with it? Absolutely. And, and that's and that's those are and I keep using this word because that's the theme frick you but those those are expectations on both sides of that character sheet yeah. as a dm i expect you to look at this character and not see a piece of paper but to see a part of yourself that you put on paper whether it's a story you wrote or a in a a concept that you came up with or something you just wanted to try yeah you have to have a spark of interest in the things that you made for me to be able to most effectively use what you've given me and on on the the player side of that if you're not playing something that interests you why, why are you playing yeah it? you have to be excited about the character you're playing but also the world you're playing in. absolutely you to, because like even if you just come up with like some like some of my kobolds just have how do they work with this class even with that, if I am asked to play in a D&D game and I find out what the setting is and I think, hey, I want to play this class or whatnot and I've already got a character built for it, I will try to find ways to, like, I will look up things about that world to be like, cool, where did I live? Yeah, no, like, and where, that's... Where would I have existed or, or what part of this place would i have been from like during lunar ascendancy the odds that my kobold would have been from like the snowy mountain area because he grew up around uh i think it was um cloud or storm i think it was storm giants yeah i think it was um he, well he grew up around a storm giant um but it's like that was that was the only place on the map that i could see that i was like cool that that place is mountainous enough that it would make sense for him to have been from there. Absolutely. This character that I've had built for months 
and have just been like frothing at the mouth to play. <laughs> um, I just I found a world and I was like, cool. Where would he have been from here? And I started trying to find ways to integrate him into the world. And then when it got time to play, there are some things, and I love doing this, even with a a plus to my intelligence. It's it's ultimately a plus one, but like there are things he just wouldn't know. Like sure, we y'all were because you're playing a wizard. And you and somebody were play, were talking about spells and whatnot, and he's just like, yeah, I don't know what half of those words mean, but you said we're getting paid, so all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, and that that's a that's a really brilliant point to bring up is like there there's nothing that's Let me rephrase that. You had said that in order to really enjoy D&D, you have to both love the player or the character you're playing and the world you're playing in. Or at least be excited about them. Maybe not love them. But to be excited about something is to have affection for it yeah. in one way or another. That is probably the most prominent thing to take from at least today. Because that's where all expectations about your games stem from. Yeah. If you are excited to play a character concept, and you are excited to travel this world that you're playing in, you are nine-tenths of the way to where you need to be to fully enjoy everything you're doing. Because that's all it is. If Hell, if you're just excited enough about the character concept, a, a, a DM can help push towards the excitement about the world. Absolutely. And, I mean, that's our job. Yeah. Our job is to make sure that everyone enjoys what they're doing in the world that we made. That's, that's, the, whole, that's the whole concept. That's the whole thing. The whole shtick. And so our expectations are that we can make a world to fit everyone that plays in it. And that people can be excited about it. And that people can be excited about it. Or will be. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's also on the player's side. It's our expectations as Dungeon Masters that players will put the effort to enjoy what we've made. Because it it requires effort. It, It is... I mean, you have to make the character, you have to describe them, come up with them, think about them, spend time wondering what you're going to do with them, and then you have to play them. And also try to find a goal for them. Like Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I, str- I struggle with that just because like I I forget I legitimately forget to think about it, but like doesn't really matter what it is, just have something that they want to accomplish. Right. Because even if it is not directly in line with whatever the story is, having them want to do something gives them a reason to go out and do, do everything. Right. And, and all of these things that we're listing, I mean, goals, making them, writing their backstories, all of that is work. That is effort that you are putting in. I mean, you, you can understand exactly what I mean. You've made so many characters... I can understand because, I mean, I've made my fair share. I've come up with some things in the past. But it's it takes more than the effort of one person to build a world. No matter how well written or well um, spoken yeah. that person is. 
I mean, sure, authors do it all the time, but they are writing multiple characters. They're writing, in some cases, worlds worth of characters. Right. They're they're playing more people. And those people are influenced. Other people have done things to create personas of of different people that become characters. So when you go into playing a D&D campaign, you have to have expectations. You have to know what they are. You like, yeah, you should you should know you should know what your expectations are when you go into a D&D campaign. And then learn everyone else's. That should be that should be part of session zero. Absolutely. What do you ex- yeah, and that that's something we we encourage both DMs and players to ask each other, and everyone at the table, what are your expectations for the game you're about to play? That should always be in session zero. Yeah. Which is a great leeway to. What is a session zero? Just, it's. Just the first the first time you and the entire table sit sit down together and sometimes it could be building the party um, just because maybe not everyone's got a character built Um, especially if you've got somebody new at the table like the Nexus they they have a lot of walk-ins absolutely and it's it's great I love to see it I love meeting new people um, especially in that setting No, that's totally fine. But, no, and that's that's a, a, a fair point. A session zero is the start. It's it's not it's not session one. No. You haven't begun the story. You're not playing a character. Session zero is when everyone gets together and they come to an understanding of who they are, what, they're, what character they're playing. You might what... not even go into character on session zero because you're no. trying to Underst- understand yours and everyone else's characters and what everybody wants to be doing yes and so session zero is a very pivotal thing that is where you find out are we playing high fantasy low Low fantasy fantasy. you pretty realism i will always 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 encourage for a dungeon master to have a session zero and the reason for that is more than just so you can explain to your players what world it is or where they're playing or what they're doing. There's more to it than that. It is your opportunity to learn who is playing your campaign, what characters are going into your world, what things that people expect to see or do or say or be. Because you can give the same module to three different DMs with three different parties and those those campaigns, even through the module, can have very few similarities. Absolutely. Three, it's 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 one of those old things of people sharing stories, and every time it's retold, it's slightly different. Yeah. Just, just as Josh said, three, three different people can read the same story and take something different from it. And very often do. And very often do. That's an excellent point. Because everyone everyone looks at it differently. Like, no, nobody's going to look at the same story the same way. Because they approach it differently. Because everyone approaches everything differently. And the same can be said for both DMs and players. Yeah. I could run Tyranny of Dragons a hundred times. But I guarantee 
out of those 100 attempts, my players would have a hundred different experiences about what I ran. Especially with the way you run them. But I would also have 100 different stories because of the players that play them. Even if they were playing the same character, they wouldn't make the same decisions. They, they wouldn't act the same way. The, the circumstances would be different. And that's a very distinct understanding when it comes to playing D&D. It's, it's very important to understand and to have expectations when you come to the table. Because those expectations and that understanding are your... Basically, they are your weapons. They are what you bring to the table to ensure that you are going to have the most fun or be the most excited that you can be. And if you don't put in the effort on both sides to be one way or another, if you don't put in if the players don't put in the effort to make their characters, to have a character concept, to know maybe not necessarily what they want to do, but how they want to go about it. And the dungeon master side to understand that the players are going to do what they want. They're going to explore, they're going to make decisions, and they're going to play certain ways. That's vastly important for understanding and having fun. Yeah. Which... That's the point. At the very end, absolutely. That is the point of Dungeons & Dragons, everybody. Just enjoy. Enjoy it. Some, some have, escapism. <laughs> have some fun. If you want to make a character that controls an entire battlefield and teleports people off of cliffs, do it. If you want to make a kobold that has the strength of 20 men and lifts giants for push-ups, do it. If you want to make a turtle that does things, I've seen it done. Total monks are terrifying. I've had a player do it. <laughs> DMs, if you want to make a world where asteroids fall out of the sky on a daily basis, do it. If you want to make a world where... A desert of silver dust turns to raw silver every full moon. Do it. If you want to make a world or an item or a situation or a story, do it. Because you are the only one who can meet your expectations. And that's the other understanding to come out of this. In D&D, the biggest expectation that everybody has... Everyone has this expectation. Everyone sees it. Everyone thinks about it. Everyone knows it. Is to have fun. And there is absolutely no reason. Ever. That you. Should ever not have fun in D&D. &D. Yeah. Even in those tense moments. Where you're struggling in battle. Or you're. Waist deep in a mystery. Or you're. Traveling across the land. In a in sweltering heat. Even in those moments. Where. Nothing really happens. You're going shopping for the day. Even in the quietest moments, when a dungeon master asks you what you're thinking about as you're staying up in your inn at, the, at, at night, in all of those moments, you should always be having fun. Because if you're not, why are you playing? That, that sounds a little harsh. <laughs> but it's true. 
don't get me wrong, you can get upset at certain things in D&D. You can have bad roles. A story situation, uh, an idea you can you have could backfire. You can ha you can be upset at the game, but if you can look at look at those moments and still say, "Wow. Yeah, I rolled 3 nat ones in a row, but that fight was so cool." then there is absolutely no reason, or, or let me rephrase that, you have absolutely every reason to continue playing that game. Yeah. But if you go to a session and the only thing you think about is, Ugh, am I going to have to deal with this person? Am I going to have to struggle through this again? Am I even going to have to consider the idea of not playing? Yeah. Why are you in it to begin with? That is definitely a game you want to... That's not a game you want to be in. You want to find something where you can actually enjoy the game. And if... the Step one is definitely talking to whoever... Talk to everyone. Yeah. Just make Talk sure to the players. Everyone is still... Still enjoying what's going on. Absolutely. Talk to the players. Talk to the dungeon master. Talk to the people sitting on the side just watching. Talk to everybody. See what they're expecting. See what they want. See what the stories they want to show, to share, to tell, to play. Because that, that, those questions are going to lead you to having the funnest campaigns that you will ever have. And that's, that's really all it is. That's what expectations are in Dungeons and Dragons. They are your ultimate understanding about what it is that you want to do in a world that you physically create. Or help create. Or, yeah, because everybody, everybody at that table has everyone at, part in its creation. Ab absolutely. Or recreation, essentially. Sure. In some cases. Absolutely. That's that's another reason why I said if even if I ran the same the same campaign, one hundred times, one thousand times, one million times. They would always be different. Because every time someone plays at that table, they add something new. They bring expectations about the things that they want to do, of who they want to be, and how they want to play. And they affect my expectations of wanting them to explore the world, to have fun, and to feel things in that campaign that makes it unique time and time again there aren't many things that you could pull out of everything we've talked about today other than i've said the word expectations probably 300 times <laughs> but if there's anything to understand it's that the importance of expectations in dungeons and dragons when you sit at that table whether it is behind the screen or in front of it that's going to define how you have fun and that is always the most important thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, with that understanding, that is a perfect place for us to bring this first episode of Matt's Anvil to an end. I would like to first thank Josh for being on the show with me. Well, we're not talking to the camera right now. We're talking to the microphone. Thank you, Josh, for being here. 
Without further ado, thanks everyone so much for listening. Thanks everyone so much for watching. I will catch you in the next one. And please always remember, have fun. Bye, everybody.